0: Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who are taking this journey with us for the first time, you're listening to the Nashville Sessions, and normally we sit down and chat with musicians whose parents were in the music business. Today in our Swing Through Music City, we're going to speak to two men who are very much different but are both children of songs. Although they come from widely different backgrounds, they have a similar take on the business. These guys are known for doing things their own way. We'll find out how they caught the music bug, how they made it through the ups and downs of the music business, and what they hope to accomplish in their musical journey. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, Robert. Brad's here to help me out and make sure that we all stay on the straight and narrow. As we continue what we're calling our Nashville Sessions, we find ourselves on Music Row with two of the most authentic country music artists you'll find, Gary Allen and Cody Johnson. Gary's known for hits like Smoke Rings in the Dark, Right Where I Need to Be, Man to Man, Tough Little Boys, Songs About Rain. It goes on and on, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing on but the radio. Watching Airplane's one of my favorites, and it ain't the whiskey. Cody... It's newer in the business, but he has already sold more than a million bucks worth of music on iTunes, and I don't know anybody else that's done that in any phase of the business. So my hats <laughs> off to you, pal. Thank you, thank you. Gary, you're a California kid. Let's talk about your your musical roots. How did you first pick up the guitar and begin to begin your journey? Your, your parents were musical, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad, uh, my dad was a guitar player. and My brother was always in bands, and uh, for me, they. We always had a PA system in our living room. and My dad had this, uh, he always said that if we put the guitars in the closets, nobody's going to play them. So they were always out on stands. And uh, every day when I got home from school, uh, as, as in grade school, I would go home and play for a couple hours. And I eventually uh, made this songbook that was you know, ended up being a couple hundred songs. And then, uh, we started playing bars when I was like 15.
0: Did they like shape your repertoire at all? Say play this guy, play that guy.
1: You know, they did, but not by play this, it was, uh, taking me to shows. So I went and saw Waylon Jennings and, 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 uh, the Highwaymen and, and, uh, Ernest Tubb, I think was my first concert. Wow. Um, but it was, I think that's, that's, that's how I got hooked. I think when I was a kid, I listened to mostly like punk rock and stuff like that. And, and I distinctly remember going to the Highwaymen show and, uh, and I just remember being blown away because it wasn't about music; it was about words. You know, it wasn't the intensity of something thumping at you, mm-hmm. but Chris Christofferson and, and uh, Johnny Cash just absolutely slayed me with with hardcore songs. And uh, that's that's when I knew I wanted to do this.
0: And you kind of you kind of are in that tradition yourself. I mean, you're kind of a Waylon kind of guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> uh, my very first uh, my very that's what I was just playing. My very first song was a Waylon Jennings cover called "Her Man." I'll give you a piece of it. It was 1996. I'm gonna change my way I'm doing things around here.
2: Well, I'm turning over a
1: new leaf. I'm gonna get myself in gear. Cause I've got a woman who's better than most. And I've made a mess of her plans. Starting today, all I'm gonna be is her man. I've been a wildcatter And a go-go-getter Been an S.O.B. Right down to the litter I've had misadventures I've even got pictures I'm even more than I can stand Starting today All I'm gonna be is her man Cool, mm, so nice. <laughs> I heard Waylon do it. And it was hard not to do it like Waylon and go, "Well, I'm gonna change my ways." Right, yeah, but yeah, beating into me. It. Yeah,
0: Waylon was one of my faves. I mean, he just hey, that voice. Yeah. he could sing just anything. He yeah. sang Norwegian wood for God's sake. Right. In all
1: attitude. I feel like we're that's that's what we're lacking today.
3: Cody, your dad's a musician too, right? Yes, sir. Tell
0: me about him. What was he an influence on you in picking up the guitar?
3: Yeah, absolutely. He was probably the first person i ever heard play you know i mean before i got to starting to listen to the radio it was dad was always picking around on the guitar and dad knew gc and d there wasn't a lot of frills to it you know and he played he played the played the piano by ear uh he played a lot like floyd kramer that was his favorite guy and so i obviously i listened to a lot of floyd kramer and you know i'm much like my dad i don't read music he couldn't teach it to me because he didn't know it he took piano lessons and uh they turned the music upside down and he played it note for note, and then they turned it right side up. said, so now play it by the music, and he failed his music class because of that. So <laughs> yeah. I had the same thing. I, I couldn't read it. I just it was a a lot like what Gary was saying. I was taught to feel music. I was taught to really if it didn't if it didn't touch your soul, if it didn't make you it didn't move you in some way, and that was a lot of gospel music. Mostly uh, growing up on like the Kingsmen and the Gaither Vocal Band and uh, the Statler Brothers and people like that singers that were singing that kind of stuff. And my parents were very uh, not necessarily disciplined towards me, but they would make me learn different parts before I was ever allowed to sing the lead. Because if you ever gave me a chance to sing the lead, it was kind of like, Gary, I'd go to the garage and crank up the distortion on the amp, and I wanted to play rock and roll like I think a lot of kids do.
0: At what point did you get on stage with them?
3: Uh, Mostly in church, whenever it was, hey, we're going to sing today, and we need you to sing this part, and we'd practice at the house, and we'd do it. But I mean, church is a very different thing. then obviously played in a bar scene. There's a lot of bars and honky-tonks around where I grew up. Uh, and a lot of my family, my uncles played and stuff like that, but my parents tried to keep me out of the bar scene as long as they possibly could because of all the all the dangers and the pitfalls that go along with it. And I was intrigued by those dangers and pitfalls.
0: Your dad is was in, in your earliest band, was he not?
3: He was. Uh, whenever I was uh, 15, I snuck out of the house uh, with a buddy of mine, and we went down to this bar. And uh, I walked up with my guitar and I sat and I asked if I could play a song, and the band took a break. And I got up and I plugged in my guitar and I played a couple songs. And everybody, I, was, I think it was two Merle Haggard songs, and everybody was having fun. And I looked in the back of the bar, and my dad was standing there. And uh, he, had, he had followed me dun, and wanted dun, to dun, see. Dun. And he's like, Look, <laughs> as long as you're living in this house and your mama don't want you to play music like that, you can't. As soon as I graduated, he joined the band. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> he played bass for me for years. And it was oh, me no. and my dad and my. And my buddy who played drums, and that's where it started. And I think at that point, it's just for fun. It's just, you're just playing because you just want to go play music because it's inside of you and you want to get it out. Some of the first stuff I wrote had, you wouldn't have believed that a 15 or 16 year old kid would have wrote it because of all the things that I was being told in my family. And, and God bless my mama for putting up with me and my dad and my brother. She's an angel married to a bunch of sinners. So, uh, <laughs> You know, it was, why Why do you not want me to go out and play? Why do you not want me to go do these? And it was, well, look, there's drinking, there's there's easy women, there's all this stuff that's going to get you and all this stuff. And so I just kind of, like, I don't know why you you sparked something. I haven't played this in years, so this is a verse. It was, uh...
4: Another double on rocks since you've been gone It's how I spend My night's here all alone. In a bar room ain't no place to heal a heartache. It's my home, another double on the rocks since you've been gone. And I wanted to imitate those, that Jonesy Merle
3: thing that, you know, that. George Strait, when he wanted to break down and play something really honky, I wanted to kind of do that. That was and, definitely
0: a honky-tonk song. <laughs> right.
3: You know, but then it, then again, you start to realize, you know, I think exploring those kind of things and that little bit of rebellion, you see the difference between honky-tonk and outlaw and country, and I kind of I started making my way into that whole realm of things, trying to figure that out, too.
0: It sounds like, though, that you're drifting into honky-tonk music was more your decision, though, than, than them pushing you in that direction, unlike Gary, whose parents knew what kind of music they they, they thought would be, be good for him
3: yeah and i'm not sure it's kind of a weird catch-22 because they did push me to play music they pushed me to be musical i think they believed in the talent that they thought i had or they believed i had uh but they didn't want to see me uh get too far out too quickly um and i, I respect that i'm kind of glad they did because knowing me now i might have screwed it all up <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's got to be harder when you're younger Well, you don't really know. Yeah, my dad did the same thing to me. I I, I was offered my first contract at 15, and he wouldn't co-sign it. And so I got pissed off, and I wouldn't play in his band anymore, just to show him. I'll show you. But but he used to say... um, that I imitated people back then. He goes, you need to, be, he had a saying, he goes, you need to play for the people that love you, the people that hate you and the people that could care less. And somewhere in there, you'll figure out how to play for yourself. And, and it was, it wasn't until I was about 22 or 23 where I realized I didn't have to think about how I sang something and I didn't imitate people. So right. probably for the best. And I used yeah. to do
3: the same thing as far as the imitation thing. And this was before, like I would do this all in private because I don't think my parents knew that I wanted to try to pursue it. I don't think I really knew. I just knew that I wanted to do it. And, uh, I would try to imitate everything I heard on the radio. I'd get a cassette player, and I'd record it, and I'd try to imitate them. And eventually, like you say, you just start singing, and you're going, well, I'm singing the same old song. I've tried to sing like Haggard or George Jones a million times, and now I'm just singing it Mm
2: -hmm. like
3: me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's when my mom started to get the blues about it because she knew. You were going. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I played every day till my fingers bled to try to write songs. And like you said, a lot of similarities here is I wrote, I just wrote. I wrote about anything and everything I could go through and, or anything a 15-year-old kid could go through. And I obviously wasn't 15 watching The Highwaymen or getting a record <laughs> deal, uh, but I tried to pursue it. I tried to make sure that it was involved in my life. And, in and retrospect,
0: thankful. do you think your dad was right, Gary?
1: Oh, yeah, because yeah. I did. Cause I imitated you... George Jones and everybody. And, no, and... I mean about
0: term- not signing the record deal.
1: Yeah, because, and, and well, that's why, because mm-hmm. I think I, I, I would have been shaped by the industry um, mm-hmm. instead, of figure, instead of finding myself on my own in a bar.
2: You were 13 years old. And you were going around in your dad with these honky-tonks. They wouldn't even let you in the bar.
1: Right. Well, back in that day, uh, there was a law in California to where you had to be six inches off the ground to be considered part of the entertainment. So as long as I was inside on the stage, I was cool. But on the breaks, I had to go sit outside. And somebody would have to go outside and stand with me at the bar. Yeah.
2: And then what happens? At 15, somebody approaches your dad and says... I was playing a
1: bar. And uh, and it was a lot like he did. A lot like he said. I went into... To, There was a sign that said entertainment wanted and i remember knocking because it was 21 and and older and the guy opened the door and i said hey i saw your sign, little kid with a guitar and he goes you can't play here you're too young and uh and i talked him into letting me go in and uh he i think he thought he was going to embarrass me and he put me on the stage and put a mic in my face and I played up there for probably two and a half hours. And then he goes, why don't you come back tonight? And then put my nap That's how I ended up being Gary Allen. He went to write my name on the marquee. And he goes, what's your name? And I'll go, Gary Herzberg. And he goes, ooh, what's your middle name? And
4: <laughs> 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 I said,
1: Allen. <laughs> and he goes, why don't we run with that? Tell me what
0: your, 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 your cussedness and stubbornness, where does that first manifest itself? You were kind of an independent cuss be,
1: before you got here. Yeah, you know, I... I... I feel like it was less a chip on my shoulder when I got here than I didn't realize everybody didn't do it their way. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, Like I, I, I would have written in. I, I was completely established. I had gotten a record contract from California um, and was commuting. And, and, yeah, when I came in and we talked about things like cowboy hats, I remember there was a whole committee to tell me that why I was going to not wear my cowboy hat. And, and, and the truth is I hardly ever wore it. But I wore it every damn day for 15 years after that. Um, just because they, just they said to take it off, it was <laughs> and 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 so I don't know where that comes from. I, I don't know. Evidently, I was an asset or there was a little, um, you know. Uh, you're just a do- don't you're, tell me you're, what to do, person. Yeah, yeah. A, but uh, but I didn't. I felt like when I got here, though, I felt like I didn't realize everybody wasn't just doing exactly what they loved.
0: When you were following your heroes too, exactly. I mean, Wayland. and yeah. I had
1: a vision. I knew what I wanted to sound like. I knew what I wanted to
2: be. And that's part of originality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this idea that it, you have to fiercely protect what your idea is so you can be creative and believe in it? Sure. I guess that that's part of that stubbornness.
3: Can I ask a question? Is that is that out of the of no, possibility it. here? So. How did you? I mean, not how, but what was that? What was that thing that made you know, like, to realize this is what I I know who I want to be. I know because I know what it is for me. So I'm just curious.
1: I, I I think it was exactly what my dad said: playing for people that love you and people that hate you and people that could care less. That 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 really rings true with me because when you play bars where nobody's listening and you've played that I know, was a house band in there for years, four nights a week, and when you're in there all by yourself, you do you play for yourself. And and you really kind of learn what makes your heart sing and, and what cuts you, and to me it was always the the heart heart wrenching country. So I love the the breakup and the loss and and he stopped loving her today's and stuff like that. You know I I I really really fed off of that.
0: Now Cody, have you resisted signing with a label? I mean, surely somebody's approached you by now.
3: I don't know about resisted. Um, when I we when I first started coming up here, I had a publishing deal through Tim Dubois. Um, for four years i loved it because i got to write with a lot of people uh some really really accomplished writers that i've always wanted to write with some that were just we felt like we'd pair and so i got to kind of know people up here and got to know the town a little bit and obviously i'm still touring uh doing my independent thing in the process mm-hmm. and we did quite well at it well i mean and i think the only reason we did well is because we got told no so much i mean <laughs> uh when you get told when the door's closed enough you kind of have to start figuring out how to live with the closed door i mean just assume it's not going to open again. They're telling us no. This person's told me i got to take the hat off. This person's told me we'll see where we can fit in. This person wants to shelve you. It's just not right. I don't want to do something that's going to lock me into something I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. I'd just rather have to work harder to get to it. And then you flash forward uh, years and years of doing it with the answer being no. Then recently before my last record, there were several record labels that were uh, – I don't know what the term to use, but really trying to jump hand over fist to try to make something happen. And at that point it was a little too late. It just didn't make sense. I'm I'm already too invested and have worked too hard to let somebody else put the buckle on for the horse I rode.
0: Gary, you you didn't you didn't jump right out of the chute either. I mean you it took a couple of singles before you yeah. you started getting some traction. That first one that I really loved was Smoke Rings in the Dark.
1: We um that was the first time that I'd ever done anything with Tony Brown. Um that was our first um I think that was right when I just moved to MCA. I feel like I've been the king of record cl- label closures and label head, <laughs> guy switches, you know, and, and when you lose your champion at your label, you start over every time. Um, so there was a lot of those. But yeah, Smoke Rings was a, a great song for us. Play it um, for me. I won't make you tell me but I've come to understand You're a certain kind of woman And I'm a different kind of man I tried to make you love me You tried to find a spark Of a flame that burned That somehow turned To smoke rings in the dark
3: Love it, nice. love it. So good. That song was one of the reasons why I wanted to write with Rivers Rutherford. Very cool. And it's you know, and he said, uh, "Well, what do you what do you want to write? how do you seek me out?" And I was like, "Man, I smoke rings in the dark, man, I just had to." <laughs> the connection with the highway man. His yeah. first cut was on the highway man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to talk about you and those guys. It's that full song, circle for you.
1: That song was written for Glenn Fry. Really? Yeah, he said he with the Mark Wright told. Well, it was written for me, but he, Mark Wright had called him and said, <laughs> "I need an eagle song, like." listen to Gary Allen, I want him to do like, and that was what he came up with.
0: That's pretty neat. Tell me about becoming a fan of, of Gary Allen's, Cody.
3: I mean, obviously as a kid listening to the radio, you you hear, I don't want to say a kid, a kid in my mind, just trying to figure out what's what's current, what's legitimate, what's working right now. Um, you listen to the radio, and a lot of it sounds the same. Yep. Uh, it becomes very fluid where you really don't know what you just listen to. and then It's
0: like wallpaper.
3: Then a song like Her Man comes on and and like you say, you know, I've heard that the the Wayland Jennings is is different. So you hear it and you're going, Well, who is this? And then you got Smoke Rings in the Dark and you start progressing. Um uh, and I've been a fan ever since. Uh most of and I'll be honest with you, most of your top twenty, top fifteen stuff I always assumed was number one because where I was from, it played so much. It was right. a second hand. You're just going to hear that song twenty times a day, and you and a lot of them play recurrence. I hear "Watching Airplanes" all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, we do really good as first. As She's so California plays in, in
3: Texas bars constantly. Really, <laughs> tell you that right now. I love that. <laughs> but it was the sound of hearing some. I knew I didn't know him. I didn't know a thing about him, but I knew that he was doing something that was against the grain of what everyone else was doing. And I don't know, like you say, I don't know if where that stubbornness comes from. But I'm the same way. I'm kind of a fighter. You put me in a corner, I'm coming out.
2: Tell us a little bit about where you, you live and, and, and what goes on there, because our audience may not know.
3: Well, I grew up on uh, Lake Livingston in Sebastopol, Texas, which is about 30 minutes from Huntsville, but pretty much anywhere in a 30, 40-mile range of Huntsville, Texas, there's a lot of state prison workers because there's seven prisons within the Huntsville city limits, and it's not just one big prison. And uh, There's some minimal custody. There's some maximum custody. and uh, I think in a small town, you grew up doing what daddy did and uh, I went to work for the state it had health benefits it had a, a salary and I could go to work and I could still play bars on Thursday Friday Saturday night but um working in the prisons no picnic it's not fun you grow up really quick you see things and you go through things that'll that'll make you grow up pretty quick and I knew I I used it as motivation because I wanted to go play music it was a lot easier to go play music than have to deal with knuckleheads well if you're going to deal with knuckleheads all day you're you got to be a knucklehead
0: does it strike you as ironic that you embrace sort of an outlaw state of mind when in fact you were a prison guard <laughs> <laughs> I like
3: that. no not at all um i think it takes one to know one yeah. and uh whenever you work there and you've been around it for your entire life and that was a really weird tough six or five five and a half years that i worked there and there was a lot of things i had to learn and go through that would wake a young kid up you know did your experiences in prison ever ever result in a prison song i did there was a song i wrote uh it's actually a, a true story, and I changed it. Just a few things of a guy that worked for me for uh, several years there at the prison. And it was, a uh, hey, I'm wondering if I'm ever going to meet him again. And he's going to be like, so that stuff I told you, you put it into a story. <laughs> but here, I'll play something.
4: <laughs> Once I had me a woman, everything was going my way. She thought I would hung the moon and she had an angel's face. To one night I pulled in my drive and something was going on. There was a long bed forward in my spot that I damn sure didn't own. It's called uh, Guilty as Can Be.
2: And Beautiful. It's <laughs> so fun. Tell us about how you found your voice and how all those experiences and fighting and clawing from that corner made you understand who you were.
3: Well, I think that, like, Gary said when you're playing in a bar and you're doing an Eagles cover and you're doing a Skynyrd cover and you're covering George Jones and George Strait and Garth Brooks just to keep your vast audience in a bar room somewhere happy you kind of do figure out where you fit in all of a sudden you're listening to more of a specific vein of music and your you know your your artistry and your originals are kind of fitting in between a George Strait and a Garth Brooks song so obviously that's going to that's going to f- you know shape you a little bit but I think for me it was getting paid very little and working very hard and not ever having ends meet and not being able to pay my bills and not really having, not knowing where this is going to go, just knowing that I feel like God put me on earth to play the music that's in my heart. And it it just, at that point you owe it to yourself and all those people where they like you or they hate you or whatever to be yourself. I started realizing that authenticity and being myself was more valuable than being like something that's already been. And if it worked it was going to work, and it was I was going to be me, and if it didn't, I was just going to have to say it's been a hell of a ride, and it was fun. Go back to work at the prison.
1: Yeah, I always figured if if you changed for them, and then it didn't work, you'd be thinking, hell, I didn't like that either. Yeah, <laughs> let me go <laughs> so back, would, which would have really bothered me. In and the then long if you run. went
3: back, it would have bothered them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So it ha- what I had to, what I did, had to not work first. The uh,
0: story of you coming to Nashville
1: is a great one, I think. The
0: the getting funded by putting a cassette tape in. Uh,
1: I did. You know, when people ask you how you got your record contract, I always say, man, it like disappeared behind me. There's no way anybody could do that. So I I owned a construction company and I thought I had a record deal with RCA Records. My buddy Byron Hill had gotten an A&R job over there. And then uh, so I sold my construction company. Byron got fired. My brother told me that I could sell cars with him until I figured out what I wanted to do. He was running a a a Dodge Dodge. Dodge Lot sold this lady a truck. It was that first year of that brand new truck uh, body style. She left. She came back two weeks later to get her truck washed. And one of the salesmen was listening to a songwriting demo that I had done. And it was for a song called uh, If I Was a Drinking Man by Neil McCoy. Mm-hmm. And I so I, I had done the demo to it. She came back. And she's going, who's on this uh, CD? And, and and I said, well, that's mine. How'd you get it? She goes, it was in the truck. She goes, who's messing up your song on the radio? And I go, well, <laughs> <laughs> I go. So, But I think whoever you get used to first, you know. So she got used to mine. Then Neil McCoy came out uh, with his version of it. And uh, I kind of explained to her how the songwriting industry works. And I said, look, I'm, I'm I want to do this for a living. Anyway, so she sat down and she said, what's... What's your next step? And, and, uh, I explained to her, I just got divorced and, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I want to go to Nashville and make a demo there. And right in the, right in the middle of their backyard. And she goes, well, how much do you think that's going to cost? I go, I know, 10, $12,000. And these people wrote me a check for $12,000. And uh, I remember I slid it back to them and I said, I can't take that because if I don't get a record contract, I don't want to feel like I owe you money. And they both laughed at me and they said, it's not that much money to us. If it can change your life, you should. And uh, so I took that, came to town. Six months later, I had a record contract. We were in a bidding war and uh, gave him back their 12 grand. I gave them a percentage of the first record um, and turned out they had a gold mine in Alaska. So <laughs> literally, just digging money into the you ground. You literally <laughs> struck it. You <laughs> struck it. You <laughs> hit the gold
3: mine, man. You hit the right. Gold mine. <laughs>
0: do, you, do you give uh, young artists like Cody advice? I mean, do you tell them? Here's what the business. Here's the. Here are some things in the business that I went through that maybe you don't want to.
1: Sounds like he's already on the right path because I think the the worst thing that you can do. Is and the thing that I see happen in this town, time and time again, is you see somebody before they have a record contract. You love them, and by the time they're spit out the machine, they're not what they were before. They're what somebody else's vision, and Mm -hmm. they're not themselves. And so it's it it sounds so simple, but it's always that just stay yourself and make sure you're only doing stuff that you love and you believe in. And because those guys know when to pick the fights, they'll pick the fight in 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 the um recording room. At the very moment that matters, and you have to understand that that's the fight that matters right then. The
0: music is what matters. Exactly, mm-hmm.
1: and and so many people get you know you get oh okay well we'll fix that later we'll fix that later, and mm-hmm. you're spit out the other side not recognizable. Right.
0: How, do you, you have a strong strong sense of what kind of songs you want to sing?
1: Me, absolutely. Tell me about right where I need to be. Um, man, that was a song that first first listen uh, killed me. We we had to we had to spend a little time. Getting that, it's only three chords in it, it, which kind of gave it that sweet Alabama vibe, but we had to get it out of there Mm -hmm. when we recorded it. I remember that being an issue. Um, But to me, this is still the biggest song that we play. Um, Is it? mm -hmm. Because you've had other number ones. (laughs) Yeah, and this wasn't a number one. There's a plane flying out here tonight Destination New Orleans boss man says my big promotion's on the line He says that's right where I need to be Lately I've been on the road more than I've been home all this leaving her alone is killing me. And holding her right now has got me thinking more and more. It's right where I need to be. When I hear her, I can see her. I can smell her sweet perfume. I can feel her skin against me when I sleep. I won't miss her I kiss her any time that I want to.
2: Yeah, that's
1: right where I need to be. Yeah, that's right where I need to be.
0: Yeah. I can hear Waylon in that too, naturally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. got a Wailing
1: kind of vibe. Yeah. I agree. It's it was actually a really slow, lazy song when I got it. Was it? We kind of you just it punched up it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nice. Do you find that,
0: that that your music is a comfort to you, and when, when you go through tough times, which you have,
1: absolutely? Um, shoot, and when I went through my toughest times, like when I lost my wife, it was absolute therapy for me uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to go in with your best friends and kick around all the emotions. Um, I remember I thought I was just, you know, writing brilliant songs back then too, but it was it was just also sad. When you went back and you recorded them and you listened to them, you're like, "Wow, nobody's ever going to want to listen to that." You know, <laughs> I um, we ended up with a few good ones out of it, um, stuff that we that we used, um, but most of it was therapy. I felt like that whole album was three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of therapy. You know, um, it was a lot, but it, I feel like that's totally what brought me out the other side, being able to talk to about
2: it. It informs your performance, though. I mean, even in that last song, it's funny. I was thinking of that. You're talking about, you know, wanting to kiss her and <laughs> be there close to her and you can you can hear it. You can hear it in you. Yeah. 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 I
1: remember when I was a kid, Harlan Howard, um, I, I dated his his wife's sister and uh I remember him saying that to me once when I was really young in the town. He goes, You can write, son, he goes, You just ain't got nothing to say. You need to go out get, <laughs> he goes, You need to go out and get divorced a few times and, <laughs> and <live a> <laughs> <laughs> he was living proof right right i'm not sure i well, in hindsight i'd have probably done without it but, <laughs> but i feel like i got plenty to draw from now you're a dad <laughs> too right yeah 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 absolutely and,
0: and is that you have to you have to be strong absolutely For your kid
1: yeah so holding it together for everybody um you kind of
3: have to mm-hmm. and you're a dad too cody right got
0: a two-year-old expecting.
3: two-year-old little girl and my wife's at home actually right now one on deck like any minute. So really? That We soon? shall see how Are this turns out. Are you still living in out. Texas? i
0: still live in Texas. Mm-hmm. You wrote a song about your little girl, right?
3: I did. It you, was, uh, I'd love to hear a piece of that. We were in a we were in a where, uh, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. It was snowing. And uh, you know, you were talking about therapy. This was one of the few songs, and I've had a chance to go in like in a room with uh, uh, Jeffrey Steele, for instance, and go, look, I don't know what we've got today, but this is what's going on in my family with my brother and blah, 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 blah. I really need to get this off my chest and write for my motion. And it's really cool to do that. But when it comes to your kids, man, I just didn't want to write. I mean, it's hard not to... Trent Willman and Kevin Fowler wrote Daddies and Daughters, which is amazing. You know, you've got tough little boys. You got. I mean, everybody's got this parent song. So I wanted to write a love song because I feel like when I had my little girl, I fell in love. Just like when I met my wife, just different. I just fell in love. and was completely infatuated with this little perfect little girl, you know, so... This was my attempt at a love song for her.
4: Some towns look better as you leave them. And right now, this one's looking fine. Cause with every mile that rolls by, I'm a little closer to that sweet little gal of mine. She's right there passing my beams and I need her beside me, foot heavy on the gas. No, she don't mind me leaving her behind me cause she knows I know my way back. It's just ironic that it was uh, something I felt so passionate about. It's my favorite
3: line I've ever written in a song. And I rarely write 100%. But it's amazing how much inspiration those little girls can do for you. My favorite line I've ever written is, I know the porch light will be burning when I get there because I've been out here keeping it on. Mm -hmm. And I was literally in the back of the bus riding down the road playing while Mama was home raising a newborn, and it was killing me because I wanted to be there. I think music is therapy. Whether it's a death, whether it's a birth, whether it's a a loss or a gain, I, I think guys like he and nah. I. The toughest
1: part of what we do is travel and leave your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't pay you to sing; they pay you to travel. Yeah, that's right. funny. I used to say that a lot to people, and they say, "Would it be cheaper if we played if you only played like an hour?" I go, "No, we get paid to set up and tear down. The playing part's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the work part." <laughs> right.
0: How did you come to uh, uh, get to know Cody's music? When did you meet?
1: Today. Well, actually, that's not true. We've no, you did uh, a we met it. Um, we, this is the first time we hung out. We've um we played together at uh, concrete. Uh,
3: I've gotten street. the opportunity to open up for, for Gary and his band, whether it be on a bill that he just happened to be on or if it was direct support like at Concrete
2: Street and Corpus. Right. Concrete street, that's what I was trying to think of. Concrete, yeah. You guys are good. You should sing together. You should do one together. Keep telling him that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. I like not, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, man.
0: One of the more recent big ones was uh, It ain't the whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Uh-huh.
1: love a good drinking song I stood there in the middle of the church of the broken people listen to the walking wounded tell their stories. My turn came, I told him my name, I said this ain't my first time. Then a man started talking how the devil and the body was a ruin of my life. With last night on my breath, I stood up and said, It ain't the whiskey, it ain't the cigarettes, it ain't the stuff I smoke. All these things I can't forget. And it ain't the hard times. It ain't the all nights.
0: No, it ain't that
1: easy. Cause it ain't the whiskey that's killing me. Mm. Love,
3: so that. love that. Love that. I love how it feels upbeat, but it's so sad. That's yeah. what you're talking about. You play all the sad songs. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. stuff that makes you, that angst to it. It's kind of yeah. almost, It's it's got it a grit. A it's like a razor, it. man. It, it just kind of cuts you there, but you're having a good time when you feel it. You're, yeah. you're moving around. You're enjoying the beat of it. Like rock and <laughs> roll's about what
1: happens on the weekend, and country's about what happens Monday through Friday. <laughs> 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 so,
0: Cody, are you going to keep on being independent, or do you, What what's the future look like to you? You've done how many, six records
3: now? Mm-hmm all on your own yes sir.
0: wow no corporate
3: support i don't know um i think the minute i start driving the ship too much there's room for a lot of error um i'm not so cocky to think that i'm the i'm the piece of this equation that's making it all go well um i truly feel like that i've tried to stay uh, out of the way let my ego not depict where we go and what i want to depict what we do i've got a great group of guys on the road that I wouldn't trade my band for anything and uh, we love touring even when we hate it you know even whenever the times get where you just want to go home i still wouldn't trade what i do for all the money and all the glory and all the fame in the world and i've never ever because i grew up pretty moderate i've never once tried to go out and get rich or famous so i think as long as i keep those two things out and i just be me and i want to just play what i'm playing it's obviously and i'm not like i said i'm not saying this it's obviously working on some level yeah i mean um I do have that belief in the back of my head. I, you have to believe in yourself, but I'm not going to let myself get so carried away that, well, this is where I'm headed and that's the goal and right. where I'm supposed to be is where I'll wind up. And I think that the only variable in between where I am and where I'm going to wind up is work ethic and faith. And you just got to kind of keep both of those, keep both those going. Like my dad used to say, just pull your hat down and, Go. just Go for it.
2: Go for it. That sounds like a song. Definitely where I'm going right. to be is where I'll end up or something. That sounds yeah. like a song. Yeah, I
3: mean, I'm, I'm thinking over
1: here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's the one that stuck out to me is where yeah. I'm supposed to be. That's where I'll end <laughs> up. Yeah. yeah, let's write that
3: one together.
0: <laughs> May, uh, my favorite single of yours is with you, I Am. Oh, thank Will you. Will you play
3: it for me? Yeah, absolutely.
4: I've never been a cool hand loop. Quarterback of the winning team oh the guy with the right kind of punchlines Everybody wants to be I never was at a lucky old cuss With a straight flush in his hand Oh, but with you, I am But I ain't no Patrick Swayze my old boots never danced on air Never walked with a swag Looking sharp as a tack A little of a square Who's that guy with a big old smile As white as a Rio Grande Oh, with you I am Strong as an oak Soft like leather High as a pine and light as a feather The same old boy but a whole lot better Whenever you're holding my hand Well, I used to poke fun at them paw strong lovers Never thought I'd be that man Oh, but with you
2: cool song. Yeah, 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 yeah really yeah, cool. Yeah. Beautiful lyrics in there.
0: I, mean, I, l- I like everything about it. I like the way it's it's structured. I like its melody. I just think it's a really neat. Song.
3: You know I mean. the crazy thing? It was a really hard sell for me because when we wrote it, uh, it was the first time I'd ever written to a beatbox. And Trent that's Willman, weird, who it? the countryest soundbuck out there, do. suggested that we do it because I was playing the yeah. this little thing, and they pulled it out, and I was immediately turned off because I, my what I wanted to do was that's that's hip hop country. I'm not doing it. And David Lee, for those of you who don't know him, he said, Son, you can sing the damn ABCs and it'd be country. Just, right. Let's just write the <laughs> song today, shall we? And said, yes, sir. <laughs> and so ended, and then, lo and behold, it was my first single off
4: my new record. It that's, is. Yeah.
3: That's what I mean by not letting me get in the way too much. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. That's
1: yeah, so you're, true, though. You're,
0: you're, you're, we're overdue, buddy.
1: Hey, Amen.
3: Are you
0: working on something?
1: I have. I've turned it all in. Oh, so we're you just good? waiting for them to spin it all out to you.
0: Yeah. You,
1: who produced? Um, I did did you yeah i did all of it this awesome. time good mm-hmm. i did the last one too uh-huh. with every storm on it that's right I, I love hearing his stories you know i especially talking about where where you end up and and uh i, I feel like i've struggled with that lately just asking myself why i'm where i'm at because everybody wants to be playing giant coliseums in 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 arenas but it, when i when i think about all the stuff that i love it was always the album cuts and I never, ever went to I've an arena to see way. anybody that I liked. <laughs> it was always some <laughs> tiny little, little bar, so it hole. shouldn't shock me on where I'm at, um, if that makes sense. Well, you know probably why. you come from the Dwight Yoakam school a little bit.
0: Totally. You know, and that's his whole thing. You know, the the Palomino and yeah. those, those great venues. Yeah, 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 are, yeah. There, there's nothing like it.
1: Amen.
3: Well, I feel like that's one of the reasons why Willie Nelson is still playing, because he has some of that in him. Yeah. You know, I've always said you take two guys, George Strait and Willie Nelson, they're completely different. But they're the same in the fact of, man, I'd love to be doing a lot of things. I mean, at different ages and different points in your career, I'd love to be doing a lot of things. But I, I have the things I love, too. Yeah. So I'm kind of – it keeps me content where a lot of people wouldn't be, I think, because you kind of get to do whatever oh, the hell this you is want.
1: goofing off with my <laughs> friends. Yeah, this is, this is my dream. Why
0: don't you try uh, a Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys or a Waylon and Willie thing? You, pro, you I'm sure you both know it.
1: Yeah. I don't think we're in two. Let me, let me, go. Wait, you wait, wanna go wait,
0: to,
3: yeah. to me or you want me to go to you? I don't care, it's whatever you wanna do. Where uh, you at?
1: It's Waylon, 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 or Willie. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys.
4: Don't let them pick guitars and drive them old trucks.
1: They come be, be, doctors be doctors and lawyers and, and such.
4: Mm-hmm. Mama don't let your cowboys grow up to be babies. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they'll never stay home, they're always alone. Even someone they love. I remember the <laughs> Cowboys like smoky old
1: rooms and clear mountain mornings. There it is. Modulated. (laughs) Little warm puppies and children and girls
4: of the night. Men that don't know him won't like him, and men that do sometimes won't know how to take him. Sounds like us. He ain't wrong, he's just different, but his pride won't let him do things that make you think he's right. Mamas don't let
1: your babies grow up to be cowboys. Don't let them pick guitars and drive them old trucks Make them be doctors and lawyers and such Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys because i I'm never alone and they're always at home Something like that Even with someone they love Yeah
3: the song's the epitome
1: of what we we'll do for a living.
3: Oh, thank you so much.
0: The ultimate outlaw anthem. Amen. That and on the road again. Yeah, yep. you ain't
3: kidding. Got them both.
0: Thank you guys both so much. It was so fun. Absolutely. I yeah. did. Yeah. have a blast. Good to talk to
1: you guys. Bless Good to see this. you again.
2: Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-side, the producer's notes. Since we sat down with Gary and Cody, there's been a new addition to the Johnson family, Cody and his wife, Brandy, welcome their second little girl, Corey Nicole. So more inspiration for a guy who seems to have plenty of it and Gary released a new single. It's called Mess Me Up. It's a power ballad that doesn't disappoint, so check it out. Gary also says it's quickly becoming a fan favorite. And speaking of fan favorites, this episode with Gary and Cody was one of our favorites for a couple of reasons. Here we had Gary, the big country star, teaming up with Cody Johnson, an up-and-comer who's the real deal. We weren't sure what we were going to get when we sat down with the two of them. But honestly, with each story and each song, it seemed to just get better and better. Next up, we'll head to Broadway and the star who made that Little Red Wig famous. Andrea McArdle talks about her adventures as Little Orphan Annie and so, so much more. Children of Song, the podcast that combines live music with great storytelling. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening.